This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Thank you for listening to Torah Media Atlanta. Won't you consider making a donation to help support this important work? Just go to TorahMediaAtlanta.com and click on the donate link. Thank you very much. Not long ago, Klal Yisrael lost an Anum Gadol, not Rav Nassim Finkel, Zechon Al-Avracha, the Shiva of Yeshiva Smir Yerushalayim. Tonight, we are privileged to hear Divrei Zikaron from Ravan Lapiansky, the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva Greater Washington in Silver Spring, Maryland, and also brother-in-law of the Rosh Yeshiva. We're privileged for two reasons. First of all, here in Atlanta, we haven't had the opportunity to hear words about the Rosh Yeshiva of Nassim Svi Finkel. And any time an Adam Gadol is nifter, it's very important that we have a chance to hear who he was and are able to internalize what it is that we've lost. But we're also privileged because of the person who's going to be giving us this message. Ravan Lapiansky, the Rosh Yeshiva in Silver Spring, in the Yeshiva Greater Washington, is himself an Adam Gadol. I remember Silver Spring before Rav Lapiansky came to Silver Spring and afterwards. And the change in the city, the way that Torah has become stronger, and people's hasagos, people's goals, people's interests, and the way that they relate to Torah has grown immeasurably since his coming to America, to Silver Spring. To introduce Rav Lepiansky, Rabbi Feldman felt that Rav Moshe Baruch Pinus would be an, an excellent choice to make that introduction. Rabbi Pinus, first of all, has, personal, has a personal connection with Rav Lepiansky and also knew the Rosh Hashiva Rav Nassim Svifinkel Zichron of Racha. Before I begin, a few thanks are in order. Uh, a great appreciation goes to Reb Chaim Glazer, who uh, organized the entire Shabbos Chizik and also the Hespaden for tonight. He's one of the unsung heroes of the community, as you know. He doesn't have a position, but yet he manages Baruch Hashem to make a great impact on everyone. And of course, Reb Shmuel Kashkeman and his Chaverim, who uh, helped to organize and envision the entire Shabbos Chizik and also the Hesper tonight. And obviously, our thanks go to Rabbi Lan Feldman, the rub of the community, for being the de facto sponsor of everything good that goes on in this community. So to all of them, and to Rav Koransky also, the Rosh to all of them, goes a tremendous Yashukayach and a great appreciation Yashukayach. Chazal tell us that Rashi quotes that prior to going to Lovin's house in Choron, Yaakov Avinu stopped and learned for 14 years in Yeshiva Shem Veva. At that time, Eva had passed away, Hashem had passed away, and he learned 14 years under Eva. And when Yaakov finally went to Choron, he got word that Eva was Nifter, Eva had passed away. And he was obviously very distraught, and Chazal relates that he was upset for many days. 
and he organized his stadium, he organized eulogies for Ava. Now that makes sense. Ava was his rabbi, he studied under him for 14 years. Ava was a great man, and it would make sense to organize his stadium for Ava. What needs to be understood is the Chazal tell us that only two years after Yaakov Avinu had arrived in Lavan's house, Ava passed away. Ava was nifter. Now that was before Yaakov had any children, it was before he even married Russell and Leah. So the question arises exactly to whom did Yaakov give a hespit? Lavan certainly had no interest in hearing about Ava. And the people in Choron didn't know Aver, and they certainly weren't on the level to be able to appreciate who Aver was. So to whom did Yaakov give a hesped? And the understanding is very simple. Yaakov gave a hesped to whomever would listen. It's true that nobody in Choron knew anything about Aver, and they couldn't appreciate him. But they understood, Yaakov understood, that speaking about Aver would change people's lives. If you didn't meet him personally, you didn't hear a shear from him, you didn't hear anything from him at all, it didn't matter. Just listening to who he was would change a person's life. Most of us, I imagine, didn't, or many of us, didn't have the opportunity to meet the great Rosh Hashiva of the Mir of Nelson Finkel. And certainly many of us didn't have a chance to be in a shear. And we didn't even, many of us didn't have a chance to hear anything from him at all. But the fact of the matter is, that certain people transcend life. And we could learn from who they are and what they stood for even after they passed away. And to illustrate a measure of how much we could understand, how much we could appreciate from the great Mir Rosh Hashiva, I want to share with you a different Chazal. In the Medrash Tan of the Be'er Eliyahu, Eliyahu Navi says that he, he asserts, he makes a statement, Hakol Lafiya everything goes according to a person's action. Whatever a person does in this world, that's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to deal with him in this world and in the next world. And he uses the life of Devorah HaNaviyah as an illustration. And Eliyahu HaNavi says that Devorah, the great Naviyah, lived in a time in which Pinchas was still alive. Pinchas ben Elazar HaKohen was still alive. And yet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose Devorah to be the Navi of Kalah Yisrael, the main prophetess of Kalah Yisrael. Why? So the Medrash tells us that Devorah, when she first got married, married an Amaretz. She married an Ramis. Now what happens? Sometimes people marry an Amaretz, Nabuch. But you know what? Devorah wasn't depressed about it, and she wasn't upset about it, and she didn't cry over her bitter lot. She decided she's going to change things. And you know what she did? Says I'll say that she approached her husband and she said, you know what? I have an idea. Let us, let me, make psilos, let me make wicks, special, important, special, large, thick wicks. And you know, you'll take them to Shiloh, and Shiloh is the Mishkan, and there you'll light the wicks, and people will associate, will learn Torah through the wicks that you're lighting, and thereby you'll associate with Tamidei Chachamim. And that's exactly what happened according to the plan. Her husband went down to Shiloh, and he brought the wicks and he lit them, and he associated with Tamid HaChachamim, and he became a Talmud Chacham in his own right. The reason Devorah did this is because she wanted her husband to earn a portion in the world to come, a chilek in Eilam Habra. That's what she wanted. That's what she wanted, and that's what she got. She got that. Imagine this. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made Devorah, the essential Nevi of her day, 
the one who gave over Torah to all of Kal Yisrael because her main interest was in saving the neshama of one human being, her husband. She wanted her husband to be Zocher to a portion, a chelik and haba, and therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu made that she would be the main Navi of Kal Yisrael. Imagine a person who's interested in the spiritual well-being of not just one individual, but of thousands of individuals. The Mir Yeshiva is the largest and the biggest Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. The Rosh Yeshiva was interested in the spiritual welfare of thousands upon thousands of Talmudim. Imagine that. Imagine how great a person is when he undertakes the financial responsibility of such an institution. Devorah received the prophecy, the Neviah, because she took care of one person and she supported people in the Mishkan Shiloh to be able to learn. Imagine a person who undertakes the financial responsibilities of thousands and tens of thousands of people. Imagine how great that person is. There is no Nevoah Bizman Hazah. There isn't anybody who is a Navi. But there are certainly people who through the eyes of Chazal we understand have tremendous chusim, have tremendous merits. The great Mira Rosh Hashiva was certainly one of those people. I am not the person to be able to be maspid to Mira Rosh Hashiva. But Baruch Hashem Rabbi is here and as the Reich Kail mentioned he's not only, was a, 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 he's not only a Talmud Chacham in his own right but he's also the brother-in-law of the great Mira Rosh Hashiva. And it's worthwhile for all of us to listen carefully, to understand the life and the personality of Rabnasan Svi Finkel, and we will certainly gain by it. And with that, I'd like to introduce Rosh Hashiva to give us It's kind of mixed emotions that I'm here tonight. On the one hand, I have a deep connection with Atlanta. So many people here over the years I've become very kosher to, with Yedidus and with Ava, and it definitely is a wonderful. Um, moment to be here with everybody and touch base occasionally and be mishtatim, such a wonderful makam teriyah. On the other hand, obviously this particular evening is not, it's a difficult task to be maspid and to remember and so on, it's not easy, um, but I guess uh, sometimes emotions with yididim and so on, is, it has special meaning when you share feelings and emotions and so on. I'm not aware, not clear as to the Tzibur here in terms of how many had learned in the mirror actually, how many had known the Rosh Hashiva, how many knew of the Rosh Hashiva, how many know of the Yeshiva, I'm not quite certain and I can't take for granted much. Um, on the other hand, a lot of the things have been said and said over and printed and so on. So I'll briefly sketch um, his life, that's not, for, probably for most people, it's not a big chiddish. And I wanted to focus more on, on something that had to do with his sense of life, something that had to do with him, and s- some qualities that he had that really, really intrigued us. And to try to get a sense of it, because it's not only something that's worthy to emulate, it's something that we really wish to emulate. Briefly, the sketch of his life, and again, I'm sure you've read and seen and known, he was born in Chicago in 43 or so, very kind of modern, uh, the family had yeshivish roots, but it was a kind of your average out-of-town family in the 40s, went to a co-ed school, um, didn't display any unusual characteristics that could have set him aside, 
as being a future leader of Bal Yisrael and, and Marbet's Torah par excellence came to the Mir Yeshiva on a visit because he's related he was a young boy in the middle of high school his uncle, Rabbi Zudel, took tremendous interest in him and Rabbi Zudel said this boy is destined for greatness no one knew what he meant I mean he really didn't have he was a wonderfully nice person but nothing about him conveyed any sense of a future Godel he um, pushed and pulled to get him back to Yeshiva he, as soon as he finished high school he came back um, Rabbi Yudel took him under his wings had some of the best thing I like learning with him he, be, he was a natural masmid that learned incessantly always busy learning he also displayed a tremendous quality of reaching out to others where he would learn with other people um, weaker boys usually at all odd hours in a few short years he became a son-in-law he married Rabbi Yudel's granddaughter who was a second cousin of his he kept the same, he just grew naturally, learned more and more, kept teaching more and more. And when my father-in-law, when our late father-in-law passed away in 1990, he took over the yeshiva. He was at that time showing ready signs of Parkinson's, which continued to take its toll for the next 21 years. With the disease and with everything, he managed to push the yeshiva he, he made from a thousand Talmidim or so uh, uh, with one building a makom of seven, eight buildings and campuses um, with over 7,000 Talmidim and all while progressively suffering from the Parkinson's He's, the stories that came out after he was Nifta are extremely numerous um, half of them are about his Hasmada and Harbatsa's Torah the other half are about his warm personal relationships which were incredibly touching I didn't intend to say many stories or any stories really there's just one that I got an email this morning and I feel compelled to share simply because um, you know I guess if I got an email this morning it must one of our Talmidim um, was at a Hespid a few nights ago in Yeshiva Tinek and Reb Motre Grunwald, who was the executive director of the Yeshiva in America, um, gave the Hespid. And he said over a story, one of the stories exemplifying Reb Nassim Tzvi's care, and especially for children and love. He said about 15 years ago, someone passed away, left over family with a few Yisomim. Reb Nassim told the children that they should write letters to him, he corresponded with them, he sent them a picture, they sent them pictures of his. He was sort of a, a, um, a father figure back and forth. And when the eventually came to Israel, he helped each one find yeshiva that would be good for him and sort of adopted them as a family, very fatherly way. And that was the story told of, very nice story. When he, at the end, after the Hesfit, someone walked over to him. Um, and I actually know who the person is. I, once my Talmud sent me an email, I realized who the person was. And he said, you know, you forgot a part of the story. He said, there were four boys that were older, and there was an eight-year-old girl who was very sad because she didn't know what you're supposed to write to Reb Nassim, and she didn't know um, what, you know, like, what kind of questions you ask her. She even, she felt very lonely. So he sent her back. A few weeks later, she gets a, a hand-drawn heart with some nice words to her. And she said she never felt since her father passed away she hadn't felt that love and Yuman said it's my wife 
I heard it just yesterday. It's, um, it fits the pattern of all the stories, but I felt out to say it, and it's, I'm not going to be married with stories. I want to speak about a different aspect. I think when you entered the house and the last 10 years or so that I've been in Silver Spring full-time like with the family and so on, I would go visit rarely, you know, once a year, maybe twice a year, and what struck you was the absolute bedlam in the house. There were always chaburis, always shurim, always chavrusas, always people coming, always people going. He was traveling, talking, constant flow of activities between the shurim that he kept saying, between people he was talking to, the money he had to raise. And this was going on and on. And yet there was a tremendous calm, tranquility, and a simcha in the person. And it's something that is a mystery. Where did that come from? Where was that calm, that tranquility, despite everything? One of my children works in the mirror office in New York, and was the last two years was very involved. And it was a very, it has been a very difficult situation financially because of the recession, everything. And he was telling, he would tell me about the hardships and so on. And he told me, you should know that as difficult as it is, Reb Nussan is a calm person. He's calm. There's, you know, it's, he's, he's, very, he's very pressured. He, he, he made an incredible amount of trips. Um, I was, um, he, he came to our house this past summer. He did a trip to Baltimore and then to Silver Spring. Sort of a basically fruitless kind of last-ditch effort to raise funds. He came to, 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 um, to raise money in Potomac, which is, and he couldn't speak anymore. He was so, he was so drained, couldn't speak, and just sat there. That was it. The other people had to do the talking. And not much, I don't think much came out of it. But when he came back to our house, he sat, same calm Reb Nussin, same smile, same tranquility. And it's a question that kind of has been surfacing. Where does that come from? What gives a person that menucha? And in a certain sense, we associate menucha olam haba. Where does a person tap into menucha olam haza? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're striving for. What we strive for is the menucha l'chaya And I'd like to try to get a sense of something about him that creates and produces that menucha. There's a Pasik in Kohelas. It says, Misuka Shnasa Ovet. Sweet is the sleep of someone who has worked. But the overeating, the oversatiation, doesn't allow the wealthy man to sleep. So the Pasik is balancing, is sort of contrasting two people. There's the person who works hard, and it's pleasant and sweet to sleep as somebody's working. But the contrast is the person who is wealthy and because he's too full. It, it, I mean, the, it, something about is the problem that he's worked very hard and he's exhausted, that's why he sleeps so well. So then say, well, the wealthy man is not exhausted. 
is the wealthy man the problem is that he's eaten too much? So say that the poor man who's eaten just what he needs can sleep good. The contrast is, it doesn't, it doesn't contrast, it seems to be talking two different things. A worker versus a wealthy man, um, without telling us why, versus the, um, versus the fact that he's eaten too much, he's oversatiated. What, what's the contrast over here? The, um, the Pasik describing Rishoyim, many places, describes a Russia as being the person that has no tranquility. It says, Varishoyim kiyam nigrash, kasheket loyuchal. Rishoyim, wicked people, are like the stormy sea that can't seem to find menucha. The, the rogues, itzavon, are all terms used to describe many times in the Vim Tanakh Rishoyim. And at Sadiq, Menucha and so on is the hallmark of a tzaddik. So it's not a punishment. We don't assume that it's a punishment, but rather we're assuming that it's something about the nature of the tzaddik's avoda versus the rasha's avoda, that one has menucha and one doesn't. So let's take a look. I want to take a look at two mekoros, and then we'll try to get a, uh, we'll try to understand it. One is an Ikrim, Sefer Ikrim. The Sefer Ikrim says, he's, he's dealing with the Pasik of Yisachar. It says, Vayar Menucha Kitov. Yisachar saw that it's good to have Menucha. And once again, Yisachar is the Talmud Chacham, the parent Talmud Chacham. Vayet Shichmo Lispol. So he, he sort of applied himself to work hard, suffer, undertake a burden which seems axiomoronic in the Pasik. If Ayar Menucha Kitov, he should have got himself a comfortable sofa and laid out. Why is it that if Ayar Menucha Kitov, Vayet Sheikh Molisvo? A point that many Rishonim, many Achonim is talking about. The Ikrim says as follows. Vechena Menucha Lotovo Kim Achayigia. Menucha can come only after working hard. Omar Achacham. The Chacham said, "Bakashes ha-menucha b'menucha, a person who seeks menucha through menucha, and others through taking it easy, te'aved ha-menucha loses the menucha, v'torish ha-yegia and ends up with frustration. I guess that would be the best translation. V'zema shenema b'yisocha, v'yar menucha kitov v'sa'aretz kinaema v'yechichmo lispol." The Pasuk says he saw that Menucha tranquility is good, therefore he applied himself. The explanation is because Yisachar desired Menucha, that's why he applied himself to work. He worked hard so that he would have Menucha. So the Ikrim seems to say it in a very, very um, a practical term. He says, well, you know, you need to prepare stuff, you need to prepare money and food and so on, if you want to take it easy. But he's hinting at something more. There's a Rabbi Sadiagor. It's in, and I want to thank Rabbi Silverman, who actually did a lot of Yagiyah to get it for me. It was a last minute request, and he ran back and got it for me. And 
he says, he speaks about the Maimar Asiri, and he speaks about the various, what's important and what's good in this world, and what people think is good and is not really good. So he says like this, Omru Anoshim, people on the impression, Ki Amenucha Goremes Des Oisos HaNefesh Be'atzma, Rest is very good. It helps a person recover, digest well, make you stronger, etc., etc. It gives a whole list of wonderful things about resting. And he says the best raya is v'daylocha ki das ha'emes l'asher b'charuha nimshal ba. Torah is um, is called tranquility. It says, umitsu, umitsu mar The Navi says, go for Torah and you're going to find tranquility. That's the position of people that push tranquility as being the, 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 the greatest taino. I, I thought about it. I think them to be extraordinarily foolish people. Um, Menucha is only possible when you work hard. But Menucha by itself is not Menucha but Atzlis. So Rabbi Nassan Yigoyen says something very similar. That Menucha that's not preceded by Avoda is not real Menucha. How do you understand it? I mean, yes, if I want a comfortable bed, I need to work hard, earn money, get a comfortable bed. But if I yashin the money, if I want a lottery ticket, so why can't I go straight to the bed? I mean, they seem to present a practical issue of not being able to find something that will give me the comfort, the money to get that comfort. But let's say I have it. So the answer is that both the Ikrim and Rapsadia Goyen are tapping into an extremely fundamental yesod of what the Bria is, where our sense of Yegiya, where our sense of Menucha comes from. Menucha is the purpose of the Bria. Yom Shekula Aruchu Menucha Olam Haba is the place of Menucha. That's what the Bria is striving for. So what is that Menucha? The Pasik describes the Menucha at its most fundamental level when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Shabbos. It says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu completed the entirety of creation. Ashabara Elohim Laasos. Akadish Baruchu rested Kaviyachal when everything that had been intended to come out into the world came out. Rashi describes the entire Bria was under the surface, and each day the, the corresponding elements pushed themselves out and they became they became the Nevroim, they became the creations of that day. So that means the world is like a woman who has a fetus. The, the entire world is a place with potential in it. And that potential presses 
it, it is pushing to find its way out and to realize itself. That's the, 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 the picture of the world is like a woman that has a child and the child will, will, will create the labor and the stress and the pressure to find its way out until it is completely out. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world Every single element of the world is there locked in waiting to come out and pressuring to come out and that pressure is realized in the restlessness and the frustration that a person feels when he's not doing that a person that has potential and every person has potential and a person who has and every person is created with some tachlis some purpose to give and to contribute and to give birth to something and that keeps pressing the person and the person will not know menucha until he doesn't get that out we're not talking about one thing or two things we're talking about every moment of opportunity that a person has is pregnant with a tachlis and a person, it says Adam la'amul yulad a person was created to work Amal is when you're going against the tide of something when you're going uh, uh, when you have to push against something that's a melus a person was created for a melus and when a person completely expresses himself when a person completely squeezes the last drop of potential out of himself it has the fulfillment and the menucha of Vayichula Shemayim Va'aretz V'chol Tzva'am Vayichalalukim Mikom Alachto Vayishbos The menucha of Shabbos is because everything that was laying underground in the Bria pushed its way up and nothing was left as potential. That's the pattern for the world. And it will always be that way. The Rishoyim, it says, there's, there's a Lashon, Tzfuncha temale bitnam. Your hidden items are filling up their stomachs. In other words, they're full of things that needed to be realized. And the Russia doesn't realize it. Doesn't, doesn't express it. And that's the side of why Rishoyim's Kayam Nigrashu, the restlessness, and, and, and the fact that they can't come to, the fact that they're unhappy people is because they, because they have something inside themselves that's waiting to be realized. They don't realize it, they will not realize it, and that makes the person, uh, and that creates a tremendous unhappiness and restlessness in the person. That's the Sereshoi. That's the Pshat, I think. And the, 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 the Ikrim and the Sadia Grain are both explaining. Menucha can't be realized through Menucha because that's not, that's not the process. The process of Menucha, the Maral explains in many places, 
that Menucha means something that's not in its ideal situation. When you have something that's kind of not balanced. So, so physically, it's not an ideal situation. It will keep wobbling until it finds its most stable position. Tenua, movement, flux, is when something needs to realize itself, needs to change itself, and till it finally gets to its position that it was meant to be, and that's when it comes to Menucha. We're talking here about something that is not just a Mila. We're talking about something here that is probably the innermost um, foundation that the Bria and that Adam stands on. The world in its big picture and Adam as a world were created with that picture. Something full of potential something which requires Yigiyah and Amal to realize it and the realization of it becomes the achievement and the attainment of Menucha and Tranquility if I can think of a way to describe my brother's life it was a life that was Kulay Amelis nothing ever was done the easy way he wasn't blessed with extraordinary kishronos and that's where he had to come and sit and learn he would sit and learn endless hours again and again with different chavruses didn't have a didn't have a especially difficult head, didn't have a especially good head whatever he got was because he worked very hard there wasn't a minute of the day that he didn't use and his learning was done again and again and again and again Amelus to the last drop there wasn't a lazy moment of sitting back an idea falling into his head um, you know, hopping like this it was cooler Amelus and maybe that's why he had such a smile and such his eyes danced and so much Hana and so much from the learning his work with people we're friendly, we're nice but not when it's difficult you know, on a nice Friday night when we're all rested and it's, you know, it's a long Friday night and we have company, it's delightful but there are some tough Friday nights and, some long, and late summer night I'm tired so we kind of turn off we don't, we don't push ourselves um, we, we there was no such thing in his house as saying no always people always uh, unless he was out cold he, he, there wasn't times when the word too difficult was ever said because he always worked with difficulty Ben Odom Lechavero lies deep in a person and there's the shell of Odom Lechavero it's nice, it's sweet, it's got a fuzz personality and we, we chit chat and it's wonderful but when you have to reach deep into your heart to reach out to a person that's not your cup of tea and that's not pleasant and is not who knows what and you have to do it and that's a melus and there never was a moment 
when when there was no it was always we, we, we had to I don't know how many years ago it was a long time ago I had to leave with my wife suddenly to America something came up some medical issue or something and we had five little kids and one of them had just had an operation and it was very simple yeah you can leave them by the house I, I, you know yeah that's the place to leave them at and park the kids there it's not, it's, you know yes I mean there wasn't any no because if it's hard that's not a reason not to do it that's where a person realizes himself when he has to do it when it's hard we don't understand the ways of Ashkacha and we can't to, to give Pshatim and Pirushim but the illness that he suffered for those 21 years basically almost dovetailed he, he was sick a year or two before he became a Shiva, but he was still able to sort of cope with it he was very strong and, and you know I, I don't know you know the, in the term the world of Yisurim but if I can describe what that illness did it was that every single step of it every step to the Besmerish to Davin every movement was needed superhuman effort everything that he did from, from the Tils Yadayim to, 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 to Moda'ani till the end of the day there was nothing that wasn't done with Amelus everything was like carrying a ton of bricks my brother and my other brother described he once went to say a Sheikh Lali and he said I can't make it to the base marriage but he said but that doesn't give me an excuse just to lay in bed I, can, I think I can push myself to sit up and with a lot of effort he sat up he said you know I don't think I'm finished I think I can push myself to get to the door he ended up saying a shit because if it's hard that's not a reason not to that's where the person realizes himself a person is, is all about amelus we look at it as the tragedy of Adar that the person who had to do all that learning and all that chesed and all that Abbas's Torah which included the fundraising and the dealing with the people and so on had to do it with a ton of bricks on his back but I think people realized the Adam Lamal Yulat and Bakasha Sa Menucha with Menucha doesn't get you Menucha it's Yegiya that gets you Menucha pushing pushing, pushing it's hard to enter somebody else's heart but I think his tranquility his inner tranquility and calm and peace was because he knew he had never left a stone unturned as long as physically possible to turn it someone said the only words that they didn't hear from him were I don't have koach 
Because if he didn't have koach, he was out cold on the couch. But if he, if, if he was up, then he kept pulling until he collapsed or whatever. But when a person squeezes every drop out, he realizes the vayichulu, he's mishtatif, in, in the menucha, the time of menucha that HaKadosh Baruch put into the world in the Shabbara Lekim when a person brings out and expresses from the deepest recess of his being every drop of blood and sweat that he has then the person finds the Margoa Lenafshecha Torah is a margol not because it pats over the problems. It's because it brings out from a person everything and the person realizes what menucha sanefesh is. I want to finish with a little bit of a different um, taich of a probably Reb Svi's he was Reb Svi was an extremely a person with he had very poignant emotions and expressed himself when he spoke and his eyes and everything he did there was a wealth of emotion there but probably the high point of his of, of his person that expressed him best was when he would dance as in Vastaira and he would first come and try to do a coffin then he would sit down and then he would sit around and then they would start singing Asher Misha Mola and he would pull himself up and get into it and that was his nickname was Asher Misha Mola the sort of first glance the emphasis in that nickname is on the word Torah fortune is the person who toils in Torah and he was expressing his sense of how fortunate he was that a Baruch who chose to take him and to bring him to a place of Torah and a place where he would um, be Maimit Torah and be Kula Torah I think there was another shade to that emotion and that was Ashri Misha Amoli Torah learning, sitting and learning conveys too much of a sense of ease I'm sitting and learning Ashri Misha Amoli Fortune is the person who, 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 who has to work, and who, not who has to work, but who works, who pulls, who pushes. It's something that I think is, could be a life changer for us. We tend to think of mitzvahs and learning and all these things as being very important, and obstacles as slowing it down and unfortunate occurrence and becoming more and more difficult and so on but if we were to understand that our realization of self lies in the difficult parts and Baruch Hashem give us all health and so on but the healthy person can, can squeeze himself and push himself in every area we can, we can, um, it, it, is, is, um, is meant first and foremost of, of, the, of the amount of effort that I put into it. And it stretches, Adam la Amal Yulad, 
stretches on the entire gamut of Ruchni sticker enterprises from pushing yourself to learn in learning from pushing yourself in tefillah, in focus in, in, in thinking about tefillah and, and bringing out your emotional connection in helping somebody when it's difficult and understanding that because it's difficult this is a much deeper appreciation, a much deeper realization understanding that every mitzvah that comes with difficulty that demands a malus of us is really hitting home and bringing out the core of who we are it's, it's helping us realize the core of our of our of our raison d'etre of 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 of, of put us in this world and maybe if we bear in mind the demusra shishiva of 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 a person that lechem never ate a crust of bread earned through atzlus everything was from amul from Tera, through tefillah through others and so on maybe if we learn to start applying ourselves with that type of melas that he lived with he lived in an olam haba of tranquility of ease, of beauty the hardest matzav not despite them but because them fortune is the person that puts Amal into his Torah and Amal into his Avaidah and Fayar Menucha Kitoiv Thank you for listening to Torah Media Atlanta. Won't you consider making a donation to help support this important work? Just go to TorahMediaAtlanta.com and click on the donate link. Thank you very much.